Thank you for downloading this podcast from the Traverse Theatre, Edinburgh. We now join the theatre's literary associate and your host, Rosie Kelliger. Hello and welcome to the Travcast, where we talk to writers and performance makers of all kinds about their work and their process. Today I have with me Mark Brew. Mark is a multi-award winning dancer and choreographer who's worked all over the world with companies such as Axis Dance Company in California, where he is guest artistic director, the Australian Ballet Company, the National Theatre of Scotland, the State Theatre Ballet Company of South Africa, Scottish Dance Theatre, Kanduko Dance, among many, many others. He was also a guest performer and collaborator for the London handover ceremony for the Beijing Olympic and Paralympic Games. Hello, Mark. It's really lovely to have you here. Hello, it's great to be here. Fantastic. Um, I'm really interested to talk to you today about making work that Mm. is driven by and inspired by one's own experience. Mm. Um, And uh, at the moment, obviously, you are about to go on tour with your piece For Now I Am, um, which we're delighted to have with us here at the Traverse uh, Mm. next month. Um, And I wonder if you could tell us, we'll talk a bit about... Uh, the process, but just mm. tell us a little bit about the show itself mm. and what the piece is. Uh, for Now I Am is the the second solo work that I've created, which is, my idea is to have it as part of a trilogy. Um, the first piece uh, was called Remember When, and that was created in 2008. And it was very much looking at the point in my career and life at the crossroads after the car accident that I was involved in, and just looking at where I was and, and sort of remembering the past and and trying to make sense of that and where I go in the future. So it was very much uh, that point of one's career, the crossroads, where do I go now, forwards or, or backwards? And that, as I said, was in 2008. And I just thought it was time, and I felt like I was ready for the next instalment, or to, to sort of look at my life again and, and where I'm at now. Um, so the new solo, For Now I Am, which was created last year, um, as it says, the title, it's... Um, very much about me here present um, and very much revealing to the audience for now I am and this is me how I am now and um, we I wanted to sort of look at the moment in my life where I woke up in hospital and I was paralyzed from a spinal cord injury from the car accident I was involved in at C6 C7 uh, my cervical spine and and just realizing after you know being paralyzed at how I couldn't move and, and and just trying to rediscover my body again and what I could move and um, so that sort of led me to this sort of journey around what it was to be broken and how does one make oneself whole again mm. and what is that to be whole to be to find that purity and sense of being again after one's been told oh you're damaged goods you're broken you know, um, you're never going to walk again. Mm. And as a dancer, you know, I trained professionally uh, in Australia. And uh, so, you know, it's one of the dancer's worst nightmares, I suppose, to be told, like, you're never going to walk again. So for me, this this work, not that I intended it to be a therapeutic process, but it was very helpful to go back, even though it was hard, but just to relive some of those moments. Because as an artist, I'm always looking forward uh, and a very driven person I am it's about what's the next thing, what do I want to do next. But but this was the time in my life to actually look back and reflect. And and I'm, I'm in a place where I'm comfortable and wanting to share that with an audience. Mm. It sounds 
it sounds a, a lot about being a sort of a reclaiming of your, your mm. body and, and yourself. And it's interesting, as you were talking about that experience there, of <coughs> as you say, waking up in hospital mm. after this horrific car crash, which just sounds uh, unimaginable. Um, but it's interesting that as you described the injuries you sustained, and you talked about C6 and yeah. C7, and that's a very sort of medical, clinical mm. term which you used. You kind of tossed that off as though, yeah, yeah like, like you were saying, my right or left knee. Mm. But it's interesting how uh, I imagine that even the language that you use around your own body and physicality mm. changes. And of course, choreographers can have quite a particular, and dancers mm. can have quite a particular language about movement and mm. about the human body and, and physicality mm. and how it's used. Mm. Um, but just little moments like that where I suppose you find your own language infected by or permi mm. permeated by another language. Mm. Yeah, I think it's been all those influences. One, you know, me knowing my body so well, um, having started training when I was very young at age eight, you know, so I knew my body as a dancer very well. And then, of course, after acquiring the disability, you know, being, then being told in medical terms what my body was doing and what my body was like, you know, for instance, being told away injuries at C6, C7, I have no idea what that meant. Um, apart from it was in my neck, you know, at the cervical spine at C6, C7. So I got to know that. But, but also for me, it was about how has that affected my body now? Being a dancer, I think, really helped me in regards to my re rehabilitation and, and uh, coming to rediscover my body again, even though it moved differently. And um, I often had to adapt uh, my way of moving, of course. And, um, but it helped to then sort of influence and inform um, my own choreographic and creative process now, which I wouldn't have gone down that road otherwise. Um, so I feel like I've almost done a... Yeah, yeah, very much has sort of been about the evolution evolving, you know, through one's life and the changes in circumstances that happen. Absolutely. Um, and I wonder if you could talk to us a little bit about then the process of making For Now I Am mm. um, and, and actually what's, what the imperatives are um, mm. as a performer in making a piece of work that is uh, about your own life body, physicality and experience and how you balance taking care of yourself, mm. uh, perhaps not exposing yourself more than you're comfortable with, with sharing mm. something that feels true, that feels urgent for other people. Um, how do you collaborate with others? Mm. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm just picking out that word exposing and what one is comfortable with, with exposing. And I think after my accident, I was very much wanting to cover up my body because my body had... Mm changed in a way that you know I lost weight from uh, being in hospital um, and was never being able to build that bulk up again and also you know you lose a lot of muscle atrophy when you're not you know obviously actively engaging your legs um, and now my paralysis is very much from the chest down um, and in the beginning I couldn't even move my hands and my fingers but I gradually got that back um, so when I went into the studio it was about me being ready to expose that um, in a, you know, obviously being an artist in a creative and um, hopefully touching and informative way for an audience that they can, of course, watch it and enjoy it and go along that journey with me. Um, but one of the first things I did is I brought this big piece of white fabric in and I had my wheelchair as well, my manual chair that I use and um, I broke it up into pieces because I was exploring the themes and ideas about 
what it is to be broken and and what different rituals are used through religion and and so forth are used to sort of make one whole and uh and water came into that quite a lot uh as well as um uh you know how water can sort of be used as a way of cleansing um and through creation as well through um plants also destruction as well but also the idea around uh how i could mend myself not just on the physical um sense but also i suppose emotionally so when I had all these um, things in the room, I yeah put my chair apart and had the fabric in front of me and and it just felt wrong just having this sort of chair there because I was very much wanting to share the story of my body and the transformation that my body has gone on through this journey. Um, so I quickly got rid of the chair because um, it was an extra added object that wasn't really required to tell the story or the narrative. Um, but what I did do was I, first of all, took all my clothes off, uh, which I'd never done before. And I had this year all to myself at this point. This was just research. And I just looked so in just the mirror. So just to clarify, it was literally you alone in a room with yourself mm, and your mm, presence. Mm. Yeah, initially I had uh, a week of just research on my own um, to sort of explore what this could be. And, uh, and that's when I, yeah, came to discover my body in the mirror, uh, which I often in the past kept didn't look at in the mirror. But... Um, so it just really showed me that I was at a place where I was ready to sort of explore and share how my how my body has has you know grown and changed and evolved over this time, and I want the I wanted the audience to really investigate. So I didn't want it to be rushed with loads of movement all the way through, um, but giving the chance for me to be still and for the audience to see me and mm-hmm. see you know, the, my spine and see the ribs and see bruises and see scars, you know, those things we usually hide um, and that I usually hide. Um, but, yeah, so I just felt like it was the time to do that. And and my movement just started happening quite quickly where I just laid there. This work, obviously, without my wheelchair, I was uh, just using all floor work uh, and how I move on the floor. And I'd start the piece with me just laying underneath this big white piece of fabric this expanse white and you sort of come into the space and you wonder first of all people don't think people realize that I'm even there underneath it but it does have that clinical feel to it um, and then you wonder oh you know and then people may notice the body when the lighting changes and oh you know is he dead is he alive is this a morgue or is this hospital and and then all these uh, video projections start to happen because I was working with a wonderful collaborator named Jamie Wardrop who created all the visuals and we used a lot of the water elements in that to sort of project that through as sort of a cleansing feel and also a meditative feel too but also a lot of projections around uh, x-rays and scans so initially there were were all these x-rays and scans over this big white fabric until it sort of reveals me and then my arm slowly slides out from underneath and starts to try to my thumb starts to try to touch each finger and and just that whole idea about being you know rediscovering my body and and what it is to break a wrist to uh, elbow and shoulder and and how to f- make it try to feel whole again. So the whole journey goes through that exploration right to the end as mm. it sort of builds. Um, and then I'm not needing the floor anymore, let's just say. I don't want to give too much away. But uh, but the collaborators, it's always very important to me about finding the right people, you know. And I do often collaborate with similar people, but also I like to bring in new people as well. Um, and this was such a personal story. So... 
The music uh, was created by Claire McHugh, who's a Scottish musician and composer. And we spoke about, you know, the sort of instruments we wanted to use, because um, obviously it was just going to be me on stage on my own, and it was about my body and bone and skin, so we wanted to be quite earth-based. So we decided um, to use piano and cello, which we felt really represented the body. Um, and we also um, then worked with uh, Andy Hamer, who did my lighting design, and it was very important that the lighting design and Jamie, who did the visual projections, worked really closely together in creating this sort of world. And it does take us to another world, you know. Initially, it starts off in this very clinical place, but then goes to this this other other world. And feels um, very from from the short extract mm, piece that I've seen. It feels very elemental mm, mm. Um, and incredibly beautiful. And uh, and it occurred to me uh, hearing you talk about it there, and and as I say, from the short extract I've seen. Um, what I found particularly fascinating and actually really uh, poignant as well was that the body, your body, became the narrative mm. of the piece um, and that the body was the story mm. and the progression was your body and your relationship mm. with it and the detail of mm. that, as, as you say, the kind of connection between your fingers mm. and, and building up your strength to be able mm. to do that more... Mm felt as much of a, a plot twist mm. <laughs> as something in a mm. more conventional piece of new writing for example yeah um, and i was really interested to see how you'd mm. um elevated mm. that detail um, mm. to become almost a, a story beat yeah it's a really great point that you bring up because there is narrative there but it's not so much as like i'm telling you each day as it happened or you know uh a, the story chronologically but it it does i think because it's about it's about being human, it's about the body, and people really connect with it and relate to it. And and not always that like where they're trying to understand my life, but because they can um, draw from it and it appeals, you know, it references their own life. Um, and uh, and often people are quite moved by it, you know, and it touches them in, in different ways. But um, the good thing is that people can relate to this narrative, this story in their own life. Um, and as I go, as you said, like this idea about being broken and then it starts to build and I start to get stronger. Um, and then becomes this struggle about, yeah, actually not wanting to be um, uh, restrained anymore by the chair or by the floor. Um, you know, that I just wanted to reveal to everyone, this is who I am. And I'm very proud. And even though my body may be differently, may be different, it's still beautiful. And, uh, and it's the body that I have. And uh, and I just wanted to share that with everybody. Mm. Um, well, we're really excited to, to have mm. it programmed here. Um, it also, uh, I think, leads on quite nicely to the other thing that I was really interested to talk to you about, which is about how one's practice as an artist mm. evolves through a career. And, and obviously you trained as a, a classical dancer, so you have that extraordinary training in mm. your bones mm. um, and mentally and psychologically. Uh, and of course, the car accident and mm. your disability forced a, mm. a form of evolution. Mm. And I wonder if you could talk a little bit about that and actually, but also how one chooses to evolve mm. as an artist. Mm. Because it, it feels to me like there's been a really interesting journey for you um, mm. from one, one form of your art form mm. into something else. Um, mm. And I wonder what your experience of, of that journey has, mm. has been and how you've 
how you've negotiated it. Mm. I mean, obviously it wasn't the journey I expected, <laughs> um, but it has been a very uh, interesting and learning experience uh, for me along this journey. And every experience that we have through our lives does affect us and does stay with us, even if we're not always aware of that. So all my training as a dancer and even growing up in a small country town in Australia, that sort of is there a part of that journey. But, you know, that classical training, you know, that aesthetic of line and shape and form still really pleases me. Um, and that is obvious in my work. I mean, you can see it. And it's interesting when people also see me perform, they, they look at my arms and go, oh, you're a classical dancer, you're a classical ballet. And how do you know? I can tell by your arms, the way you hold your body. Uh, so even though I try to get away from that as much as I can, um, but it's there. It's a part of who I am. So that has always been there and, and has continued. But of course, I, you know, with different collaborations, different artists I work with, try to explore other ways of, um, yeah, I think pushing the boundaries uh, through that and how I want to um, explore movement vocabulary. And obviously, having acquired a disability and being paralyzed has hugely affected my my mind of, of and and body of possibilities of where it could go. As a classical ballet dancer, I was quite narrow-minded. That dancer had to be on two feet, beautiful turnout, high extensions, all those things they strive for, um, the perfect body. I didn't have that perfect body and never probably would have, but how do I get the best from my body now? And what does it have to offer now? And for me, the idea around the restrictions that my body now has, has created a you know, a huge amount of different possibilities I would never have thought about. So, you know, I've almost done a full circle even going back to that classical ballet training that's there, but then taking this other world of going to more uncomfortable, uh, you know, awkward, unfamiliar places that through restriction um, creates um, possibilities for me and my movement vocabulary. And now I also do commissions for other companies, as you know, and I will still use my own movement vocabulary now. Um, which is really great. So I recently did a piece last year for Scottish Ballet and I taught all the dancers an arm phrase that I, that I made up. And, uh, and it really threw the dancers because they're so used to being given, especially classical ballet dancers, being used to giving the feet and what they do and the steps they need to take, where I had to make them think differently. And uh, I really enjoy that. You know, I, through my career, I've had to problem solve and try to find solutions. So I want to share that with dancers to sort of, yeah, to create a really exciting, you know, um, possibilities of new of new material and new ways of moving. And it's interesting that idea of kind of cross pollinating from your experience mm. into something that is still more classically rooted. And obviously, I know you've worked with theatre companies mm. as well. So yeah. a, again, a different version of the art form that is mm. performance. And I've had to get, you know, become better at using my voice and description and, and imagery and all these other skills I didn't really have before. So they have really um, helped me to communicate with, you know, working in theatre, working in, in the ballet world, working in contemporary dance, to just find new ways of and, and, way, and better ways of communicating in a more rounded way so people can take their, the information that's needed and do the best that they can. Um, rather than it has to be exactly that way, but how do we get the best from someone and how do we get the best from performance and uh, yeah the creative process and that's what I'm trying to do and I wonder before we finish up um, if you might 
be able to tell us a little bit about whatever the third part of your trilogy mm. is going to be, or is that too early? To I think say it's too early. I mean, I make jokes about it. That'll be you know me laying still. <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, there will be um, another one. But um, yeah, I don't want to say anything too much too soon. That's entirely fair enough. But well, we'll I look forward to whatever that mm. evolution of your working mm. practice is. Mm. Mark Brew, thank you so much for coming in to talk to us. Thank you so much. I look forward to being here performing. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from the Traverse Theatre Edinburgh. For more information, please log on to www.traverse.co.uk.